0: What? Yeah, <laughs> oh, Rudy, wh- why would you do this
1: to me? I would pay you. I'd pay you hand over fist for no, that yeah. say this
0: In front of All these people. L-
1: Ludwig left. said he would give me his soul for this paper.
2: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner podcast. This is our annual year-end episode for the year 2023 that is coming to an end. And uh, as has become tradition for us, we've got um, a couple of repeat guests coming on. Uh, Ludwig and Rudy, thank you guys for coming on the program again.
0: It's great to be here. Thanks, Chris.
2: All right, so I guess uh, let's just jump right into it. I'll, I'll kind of start and talk a little bit about um, what 2023 was for reenacting for me. I did six events, I think. I was thinking about this a little bit before we went on the air. Um, they were kind of clustered together in the year, like I did two early in the year, and then I did uh, four in September and in October. October, which is fine because, uh, the summer is kind of my least favorite time to reenact anyway. Um, did have a lot of fun. Um, and I guess we can talk maybe later about some of the specific events and things that I did. Um, Rudy, how about you? What, what did you do for reenacting this year? Uh, th-
1: this year for reenacting was, um, it, it was a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, I think I did, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight. I did almost eight events uh, this year, which for myself was quite a, quite a few. Uh, for some of our long-time listeners to the podcast, uh, earlier in the uh, summer we recorded an episode about a recent uh, split in a relationship I had. And uh, the last couple of years I've only done uh, one to two, sometimes three events a year. So to jump all the way up to eight... Uh, was quite a ch- quite a change so I, I had a very busy reenacting season which uh, made me extremely happy
2: cool Ludwig what about you did you do uh, I, I expect you're gonna say you did 25 events or some insane number uh.
0: <laughs> it was yeah silly silly number of events very costly amazing year amazing new events that I've never done before never had the chance to do before some of which you've spoken about that occupied a whole old ESSA episode of their own. Uh, just tremendous in every single way. New people, meeting new people, being part of a new group and experiencing the best that the hobby has to offer. It's been a fantastic year. Real, really big difference compared to, to last year. And I've That's enjoyed great. it a great. Yeah, I it.
2: think it was a better year for me too than last year. Last year was kind of a transitional or sort of a rebuilding year for me. We had... Um, the pandemic years of 2020 and 2021. Um, and then last year, you know, during the pandemic, things changed in ways that I couldn't really expect for me personally um, with regard to reenacting where, it became really hard for me to motivate people to come out to immersion events. We had a string of events that got canceled, whether it was because of um, the whole event was canceled because of COVID, or as the event drew near, people were getting sick or became more afraid about getting sick or had been exposed to COVID or whatever. And so last year, I kind of made the decision to sort of disband my reenactment group and move forward with a new and different project, which is something that we, I remember we talked about on the podcast, but uh, it worked out great for me. You know, the reenactments that I did this year with my crew, you know, we were able to kind of do them on our own terms and, and, absolutely dial in our participation at each event to that specific event and whatever was going to be the very best option for us for that specific event and so um i feel really positive about it you know it's like um kind of i knew i was going to figure it out i knew it was going to be a little different um but i feel like i've got a good handle on things now and i think it's going to be like a good platform for me for going forward into 2024.
1: Uh, you know, Chris, that's actually the big question of the day. Um, I had to make some life changes, so this this past year, as I stated, uh, you know, I I did a whole slew of events, more than I've done in the last two or three years, and uh, I felt the comradeshaft, I felt like I'm myself again. I kind of found a purpose, and so it was really really rewarding. Um, I am about days away from closing on purchasing a home. Uh, so that's something that's very exciting. The, the thing that's kind of always in the back of my mind is I start crunching numbers and saying, oh boy, I might need to get a second job or uh, you know, what am I gonna have to do to cut some corners to save a few uh, fenning here and there. Uh, so I, I'm very hopeful to continue, uh, you know, hopefully making those eight events a year, uh, especially our unit hosted events, um, making that a maximum priority. Uh, But at the end of the day, I do have to take a step back and kind of scratch my head and think what 2024 will look like. I might have to pass on a few public events or maybe events that we don't run uh, just so I can ensure uh, that I can afford my mortgage. (laughs) Um, But I'm very excited for 2024. I know we have a couple of uh, really cool events planned. Um, I know in regards to purchasing the house, I, for those of you who don't know, I'm also an avid collector of, uh, you know, world war two, German militaria. Uh, uh, so I've already seen myself having to scale back, uh, at great length in regards to that, just trying to save for the house. And, you know, I, I would constantly be checking the seller pages or looking at, uh, updates and. Now, sometimes i just am better off deleting those those messages so i don't get tempted
2: <laughs> are you gonna have like a special collection room in your house do you think yes you know i actually
1: i had one uh at my old uh living arrangement and that was kind of my little getaway it was sort of my happy place uh, i will say uh it wasn't some dank dungeon it was my own little Zimmer, but it was down in the basement so it was sort of out of the way uh, in this new house um, that I'm purchasing, uh, I've stayed up probably far too too many nights just thinking about which room I'm going to turn into the new Krieg Zimmer, and, and how will it be out of the way for you know when I have guests come over. But uh, fear not, there there will definitely be a new Kriegzimmer Zimmer uh, at this at the new house.
2: <laughs> Is it going to be in the same area where you've been where you've been living?
1: um no actually it is it's about 50 minutes away from the school that i teach at so it's a little bit of a commute uh in regard to that i had to actually move to a different city uh the nice thing is that it's actually closer to my family um, and the place that i unfortunately much much to my chagrin have most of my collection boxed up and stored uh, in a storage unit so it, it'll be a relatively easy move because it's close to the new house um, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to it I'm going to be able to kind of put a new twist on it and sort of make it my own uh, if anyone were to break into my storage unit they would see a lot of mannequins with uh, a plethora of uniforms so they probably would think this guy's really crazy but uh, <laughs> I, I'm excited I'm looking forward to the new chapter in my life so
2: that sounds really positive and good. Uh, Ludwig, I know, you know, I don't want to uh, blow up your personal life on here too much, but you've you've experienced some changes in your life maybe this year and going into next year. Uh, you know, how how are you how are you doing with all of that? You say, you say that in a certain way, Chris, that just
0: makes it quite I don't clear think it is clear as to what you're I getting think. at
2: and there's no going
0: I think it's very, I think it's very clear what you're getting at. But I will indulge you. Uh, all right. I will more than happily indulge you. Um, I had a, a lengthy reenacting event that uh, was, um, it, it was a five-day event, and it required some time off, which I couldn't get from my brain-dead nine-to-five spreadsheet job. So I took that time from that job without permission and was promptly asked to resign when I returned on the following Monday. So I took that and lost my job accordingly. And I'm still yet to find a job that quite meets my requirements in terms of affording this extremely expensive hobby and uh, meeting my expectations from what a job should be in terms of, um, you know, in the greatest respect to people that will, but I won't work in in retail or whatever these other things are. I'd, I'd rather sort of coast it out on the savings I've got or the kit that I can sell until I'm forced to work it you know Burger Mac or wherever else, but i'll I'll take that when it comes. Until then, I uh, have quite enjoyed the time that I've spent off to be honest. I've managed to offload it an enormous amount of reproduction kit that I was never going to use and which is probably better in the hands of the people that will now lo- will now use it. Um, but that situation that you refer to uh, has yet to be resolved. Hopefully it will soon. I'm expecting an offer hopefully before January from a, an illustrious department of our um, government services. But until that comes, I'm sort of sitting here twiddling my thumbs, wondering where the uh, the money for the next bit of kit is coming. And it, unsurprisingly, 2024 is turning out to be quite the year already. And there are a lot of impressions that are coming up and a lot of kit that's going to be required. And I'm sort of casting about for where the money's going to come from. So, you know, you might find me um, honourable fryer at Mac before the year is have out. Have you considered moving that, into a tent? That out. <laughs> um, that would, yeah, that would, that would reduce my expenditure somewhat. But the problem is I would still be in that tent and wherever that tent was, it would be, you know, at least seven kilometers in proximity <laughs> to my favorite pubs. And those things sadly cost money. So as a result of that, I would still have oh, okay. some quite measurable expenditure, uh, And I finally found the perfect, or I think near enough perfect, reenactor wagon for the time being. Anyway, I I sold, sadly, sold the Rover and bought a Volvo 940 estate, which is enormous. It's like a bus, and you can fit all of the kit in the world in it. So that was my latest purchase, and that, as you can imagine, also not cheap. So that's, uh, yeah, there are financials that
1: remain to be resolved there. Oh,
2: go ahead, Rudy.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, Ludwig, um, did you... Uh, let no man ever question your dedication to the hobby my god losing losing an occupational job I, I just am curious when you took that time to go to the event was that kind of lingering was that a fear in the back of your head that hey you know i might be coming back to some trouble with with the workplace or was that just kind of out of sight out of mind
0: it was out of sight out of mind while i was there because i was enjoying myself mm-hmm. and i was experiencing it and that really wasn't something i was willing to think about but it it ultimately in a fashion it was in the back of my mind in a sort of apprehension as to what I was the reaction was going to be I already knew that I would be sacked or that I would be asked to leave the business because what I had done was reprehensible and I regret it because they were lovely people and they certainly didn't deserve that but I before I went and did that and to anybody that's listening I would essentially say the same I had to weigh up What matters to me in my life? And you only get one life and you live it. And then, you know, I don't believe that there's whatever else. So that's a whole separate discussion. But um, I thought, do I want to spend these five days in the field with the people I love doing something that I love more than anything? Or do I want to spend three days of it sitting at a desk and then two days sitting at home absolutely beside myself because i missed the event and of course those three days that i was actually working i wouldn't really have been working anyway because my mind would have been totally distracted so in reality it actually makes no difference mm. to the company at all but the the, the simple is, i had to weigh up does my nine to five arranging spreadsheets that an ai could quite capably manage themselves without a human needing to be involved uh, and managing data analyst or whatever it is that it, that it is required. An AI, a computer, could more than capably do these sorts of jobs, but humans are still required to do them. Could, could you know, do I want to do that? Uh, and does this mean more to me than the hobby that has occupied so much of my life and will presumably continue to occupy so much of my life? Um, and I weighed it up, and I thought, well, it's worth it. You know, whatever happens, it's going to be worth it. I, I you know, yeah. I'll take it as it is. Um and if if somebody asked me, would you do it again, the honest answer would be yes. I, I wouldn't feel too much compunction to doing it again. Because to me, these things do not matter as much as the hobby. And I think if people took more time to take that appreciation, we're probably getting the numbers that I want at events more regularly. But I guess some people are probably more sane and rational and realistic than I am and have more things to worry about, like mortgages and families and so on, which I fortunately don't. So selfishly yeah you know it's it's
1: interesting because uh you talk about rationale and, and now granted i'm not out looking for a new uh job but i've been thinking with this home okay like well what meals can i skip like what can i live without because i sat back myself and kind of rationalized. well what is it that this this hobby means to me what passion and joy does it bring to my life and then i sat back and thought of the Dozens of brothers that I have within my unit who have left such a a lasting impact on my life who I've been in their weddings, you know, they've been there for me in difficult times. And I, I told myself, okay, I might be really scraping the barrel here for money this, you know, next conceivable few years until I get a good footing with this home. But one of the things I was like, I'm refusing to give up on is this hobby and like my, my, my newfound family, my newfound brothers, um, so, Chris, you know when you talk about what's twenty twenty four look like for me, that's something I had to weigh. Like, where can I, where can I skip, you know, on X, Y, and Z to save a little bit of money for the upcoming school year? Um, so it's interesting that you put it that way, Ludwig.
0: Well, for me, you know, you talk about all these things. One thing I've noticed about your your group, Rudy, is the level of comradeship and everything in that group just seems to be so well. Connected in comparison to most of the groups you genuinely seem to care about each other and look after each other in uh, The most unreserved fashion and it's wonderful to see I and I have to admit to this because I Saw a post that was that somebody had been in trouble and I saw the picture was <laughs> yeah, you yes. and, Or you were in the picture and I I assumed it was about you and I said I hope you're okay really. I only realized yesterday mm. that it was actually about Hans Vickman and I felt terrible <laughs> I felt terrible, but it was you know, you're such a recognizable figure And that's what, you know, I didn't really read it properly because Facebook, it just sort of blends into one. But anyway, to Hans, I'm sorry, I hope he's okay. But you all care about each other and look after each other. And you have such a connection, irrespective of, you know, where these members come from or who they are. It just seems like it is a complete comradeship. And I think a lot of groups lack that. And it's wonderful to see. And I think it comes in part with that unit identity, which you've so carefully cultivated, and which a lot of these groups that have a sort of, we do this, we are this... This is what we do. This is what we'll always do. I think that's quite easily cultivated, in comparison to where everybody's doing different things all the time. And it, but it works so well, and yeah, it you, looks fantastic. I, I so think it's to tie it all to together,
1: um, we actually were having our unit um, Vinox Fest and our Shoots and Fest. So we have a little bit of a Christmas party. We actually do a live shoot uh, out in the woods, and um, you know it's the best of three shots. It's timed, and whoever. Uh, has the highest score, ends up being awarded the um, you know the, the shoots and the Marksman lanyard. Uh, I came in second place this year, so I was actually very disgruntled. I wish I didn't come close at all because it, I was that close to winning. But um, on the way back, uh, Han, Hans Wickman actually took a bit of a spill out of a pickup truck. Uh, we were kind of coming back to the woods, and a lot of the Soldaten were in the back. Uh, I think he's doing much better, so I, I do appreciate your concern um and you know i, I w- i'll say we are a family but at the end of the day all families fight too there's always going to be issues so it's kind of how you you broach them and overcome those issues with love um but i, I think i think hearing you say that and you inquiring about oh my good, you know rudy are you okay i think that it kind of speaks to the global family that reenacting has created you know and i see you see a lot of that through this podcast uh uh, just the people that you meet along the way, in this sense of, hey, you, you, and my, you and I may never have shaken hands before, but there's this level of concern, there's this level of respect, this level of a uh, uh, family, if you will. Um, and I, you know, so I, I know it's great to look at our unit and say, wow, that's something that's everyone should try and reach for, and something to admire and try and strive for, but. There is a, a, a grander sense of, of family, I feel, globally with our reenacting community, which, you know, is, an, is a, it's an inspiration of its own.
0: I, I think you're right. I, I think you're right. And maybe there yeah. could be more family and less sniping <laughs> with the international side of things, for sure. But I will say one thing. You're absolutely right. But perhaps there is a selfish ulterior motive in that you still have that magazine for me and I am to pay you for it. And maybe well, that's the know. real reason that I'm so invested um, in your continued Chris, long life. and
1: for our listeners, uh, for, for many of you, some of you might not know, but I love all things paper-related rela- to this time period. And um, I have literally thousands of newspapers, magazines, uh, brochures, and so I've slowly been trying to uh offload some of my paper collection and several months ago i came across this newspaper that had uh, a beautiful article and spread with several pictures of the uh, feld division and um, kind of being mustered in and so i immediately contacted ludwig and said hey i have this paper would you be interested in it and uh we kinda went back and forth with price, you know, I'll give you the friend discount. Okay, well shipping to <laughs> <laughs>
0: What <laughs> <laughs> What you liar? Uh, you liar. So... You liar. oh Rudy, what, why would you do this to me? I would pay you I'd pay you hand over fist for no, that. Yeah. <laughs> this in front of all these people. Ludovic said he that's would really... give me
1: his soul for this paper, but I was going to save this for the end of the episode, but in a, in a gesture of comradeshaft, a uh, gesture of uh, Weinacht uh, quickly approaching, and I'm putting this on air for everyone to hear, I am going to send you this paper for free as a Weinacht cachet, and as a mutual gesture. So between jobs, you can read it when you're not applying for things, and uh, it'll be in, it'll be in the rightful hands of, of someone who's going to truly appreciate it.
0: <laughs> you have my eternal thanks rudy and that 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 <laughs> makes up for telling all these people I was asking for cheap skate prices. <laughs> No, you are you are too kind. You are tr- truly lovely really soul, nice. and I'm I'm really
2: grateful. yeah. Kind of speaking of the, sort of the international uh, reenactor friendship community, I did get to shake hands with both of you guys separately this year, which was cool. Rudy, you and I chatted briefly uh, at Odessa. I wish it could have been more, but I left that event early because I had to get home and do stuff, and. Uh, of course, Ludwig. I saw you last month in Munich, um, on my fun vacation. Yeah, and uh... <laughs> did you?
0: I, 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 I don't. I don't remember anything like that since, you know, since since Special Brown branch went round and asked me a few questions. I I, I, I don't remember any of Anything of that, you know. Chris. I can't say anything about it. So, no, that was fantastic. I, I loved that. It was a real. It was a real pleasure to meet you. A fantastic time. Um, it's just you know, an Ludwig, experience. I have to
1: say, I wish I could say the same. But for me, it actually was a stain on my reenacting um, calendar of 2023 uh, because I was sweating profusely. I'm bent over trying to get all my equipment on my coal <laughs> Uh The men are waiting for me. And I hear this, this. <laughs> voice behind me oh Rudy Longer and I stand up and I see this big grin on the the Chris Pittman's face and after all these years I'm finally gonna meet this man that I respect and admire and have been waiting for this brilliant moment of having this great interaction with him. I have Farby stuff spilling out of my Zelpon for other <laughs> for other guys, and all I could think of is, oh my god, he's looking at the Feldlager, like probably. I felt so embarrassed. And Chris was like, "Hey, Rudy, I just want to let you know, I unfortunately got a take off." And I, I, you know, it's funny, Chris, because. It was a pleasure. It was an honor, but I literally for like the next 20 minutes was like, oh my God, I can't believe that was my first time meeting Chris um, because I was a hot mess.
2: Well, it was, Uh, you know, I'm glad that I would have felt bad leaving the event knowing that you had been there and not saying hi. So I'm glad that we at least got to say hello, you know, and that was basically the entirety of the conversation because you were kind of in a rush. I was in a rush. um, But it was I thought that was better than uh, like a total missed opportunity. And um, I wasn't passing any judgment on anything over your, you know, what I saw of you guys setup looked totally awesome and uh it was cool even being set up near you guys um mm-hmm. i just did that event in such like a weird way where um i went with one other guy i went with philly graph from my group and i think we got there on thursday and we left saturday morning you know we left mm-hmm. as the event was like really kind of beginning in earnest um as units were forming up for the tactical we were driving away so um but I really had a great time at the event anyway. And uh, I'm sure hopefully in 2024, Rudy will be able to actually have like a proper hangout yes. and maybe drink a beer or something would be nice.
1: Yes, and do some singing around the campfire for sure. I would love
2: that. Yeah, that would be really <laughs> fun.
1: See, my
0: experience was completely different. I, You know, I, I, all the same sentiments. I'm looking forward to meeting somebody I admire and respect. But then just stood there and uh, was it, it, it the Glock Yeah, the, Toy Museum the Museum Spiel, or something Spiel, like that? Yeah, uh, the... Uh, yeah, on the on the near the Marienplatz, and I just there's Chris, there's Chris, and then like, i I've, I've I've had two full meals today. I've had two full meals. I just talked to
2: some crazy German ladies. <laughs> All right, I was That's a mess in that doing? moment. I, my my like heart rate was extremely high, and I was covered with sweat. I was it was like, epic. Uh, I hadn't slept, you know. I I basically had not. I had not slept the night before, and I had just undergone this trial by fire where I had spent an hour chatting with these two elderly German ladies. And I you know I had I had no expectation that I was going to be using German language very much at all on this trip my previous trip to munich i didn't really talk to anyone who didn't speak to english switch to english right away um and so i don't know it was uh my my mind was a mess which maybe that's maybe that's the best way to meet me maybe that's like the most standard uh yeah it was epic it was epic
0: it was it was iconic it was one of the funniest things ever it was just it was just really funny very charming but uh yeah, completely. I'm glad I didn't meet you in a reenacting context, to be honest, because it would yeah, be totally different true. scales. it's uh, true. It
2: is interesting. I, there are people that I only know in a reenactment context and I've never seen them in their... Modern clothes, and sometimes I think, "Geez, I wish maybe I lived closer to this person, and we could maybe hang out, have a a beer at a bar or something, in some other setting, and um, kind of get to know each other better outside of this dress-up context." But then sometimes I I get to know people better outside of a reenactment context, and I wish that I hadn't, you know. So uh, just one of those things. We need an international German reenactors day. Yeah.
0: Of a- 20, 20 20th of April, 20th of April 2024.
2: I'll be the B square. <laughs> I um, Simple as. I have, you know, in the past made a sort of a joking uh, post on the 20th of April each year. Um that is kind of mentioning, you know, happy international German World War Two reenactor friendship day. And uh, some people like that joke, some people don't. But um, I, sh- I will give credit now for the first time to the person who came up with it. It was my comrade Hans Hitzig, a guy from my reenactment group, mm-hmm. I think was the first person to post that. And um, You know, some of you may know him as Jose. He's like a well-known face around the Northeast reenactment scene around here. And uh, so credit where credit is due. That was his idea. And I think it was a a brilliant one. So I've been running with that for years. Ludwig you mentioned briefly that you had sold a bunch of extra reenactment kit and I wanted to say I have done the same this year which is sort of different from previous years in many ways Um, I did buy a whole bunch of reenactment kit items this year Um, I dialed in some of my personal items I did upgrade some items and replaced like a worn-out pair of boots for example Um, but in general for many years now i have been hoarding reenactment gear with the idea that someday i would use some of this stuff at different events and that that don't exist basically Uh, for example i had a bunch of pre-war stuff in case i ever wanted to do like a late 1930s impression um i just had multiples of things basic items many multiples of them um in case i reenacted so much so hard that i wore out all of my stuff and i basically realized um it's very unlikely that the frequency of reenacting is going to increase dramatically for me at any time in my reenactment career in the future at this point and also um stuff that i have never used for reenacting at this point, I am extremely unlikely ever to use it. Like when I bought like 1930s impression stuff, like a, like a double decal helmet, for example, I had, I think reason to expect that maybe someday I would use that stuff at an event, but, um, things have changed. I don't, I I never that that event never did happen and I don't think it ever will so for example, you know I did sell my my double decal helmet this year. I had had it for years and um, The only time I ever put it on was the day that I took it out of the box, you know I also sold just for example, I had four great coats, you know, I sold two of them now I have a great coat as well as like a backup option for a great coat for example, but um it's been very rewarding i took all the money that i got or probably nearly all of it and i invested in some collectible items and also um i reinvested it in some reenactment stuff i got a new stove for my tent that i'm really eager to experiment with this weekend um, and this winter in general um and you know stuff that i that i will actually use so that i guess is kind of a a different thing for me i'm i'm leaving 2023 with less reenactment gear than i entered it with but i think that that's very positive and healthy for me and um anybody out there listening to this, thinking, geez, I have loads of reenactment gear that I've never used, I would say, um, you're probably never gonna use it, and I would encourage you to sell it, because there's there's a lot of buyers out there, and this stuff is easy to sell. Ludwig, did you find your stuff easy to sell when you decided to part with it?
0: So I have a slight admission that's probably gonna make me quite unpopular with certain people, if they do ever dine to listen to this podcast, but the weekend before I made a big sale Uh, One of the members of our group decided to leave the hobby after many years of not attending an event. And he sold me all of his kit, which was worth maybe five, six hundred pounds for a hundred pounds. And then I also had a large amount of kit that I would never use and also never even allow lenders to use that I'd just been sitting on waiting to sell. So I thought, okay, now's the time to sell it. And I purchased this all for silly amounts of money, like next to nothing. And I wasn't going to gouge anybody. I wasn't going to sell it for you know, more than what it's worth at a retail value if it's been unused or more than what it's actually realistically worth, but I turned essentially a hundred and whatever pounds into nearly a grand in the course of a week. Uh Re-enacting kit is very easy to sell if you know what you're selling and you know who you're selling it to and if the people, you know, if you know the people that you're selling it to then you can sell it extremely quickly. If you know what they want, if you know the kind of things that they're after, um, there was an event down me, uh, down near me that I would never attend as a reenactor in a million years. But there were a lot of reenactors that, on a personal level, if not a reenacting level, on a personal level, I quite like. So I took a load of kit down, sold all of it to them, made a couple of hundred quid instantly. You know, selling stuff that I would never use, like Denix SDG forty fours and K nine Ks. I'd never use any of that for reenacting in a million years. So selling that, absolutely no loss to me. Pouches that I would never use, leathers, bread bags that I would never use, that I just picked up over the years, bits and bobs that people either gave me or sold to me for next to nothing, and I thought, well, maybe I, if I beat it up, it might look decent. Well, there are certain items of kit you look at them and eventually you go, yeah, there's no matter how many times I put it through the dishwasher or leave it outside in the mud for six months, it's not going to look any better. It simply can't, so I might as well sell it. And actually, they're getting it, you know, they're going to use it anyway, or they're just going to buy it new. From some vendor, so if it's weathered, at least on them, it'll look a little, you know a little bit better. So, I sold you know a large amount of kit for more than way more than I expected to sell it for in a very short amount of time, and that actually paid for um, all of that delicious food and beer in Munich. So that worked out perfectly, and I'm quite inclined to repeat that before the close of the year if I can or maybe in the start of next year because I still have a load of stuff that I will probably never lose Um, or never use rather you know splinter camouflage trousers for stug wraps and stuff like that that I just don't expect will ever fit into an impression. I do have it kind of in the back of my mind if I sell this sort of stuff that I maybe might possibly use and then I sell it and I'll cry about it later when it does ever come up. I did do that with a pair of officer's boots earlier in the year. I sold a really nice pair of officer boots um, that I purchased for next to nothing, and I sold them for next to nothing to a good friend. And then I thought, you know, I thought at the time, I'll never ever do an officer's impression. I might as well sell them. And then, of course, in July, somebody said, would you like to be Zugführer at this event that we're doing? Oh, okay, I've just sold these boots. Fantastic, that works out perfectly. And then I I ended up having to borrow them for the event. So, but other than that, yeah, same, same sort of view. You can sell this stuff really quickly for next to nothing. If you're holding onto it for no reason... Really, when you think about it, for no reason, it makes a lot of sense to get rid of it and make some money, and direct that money into something purposeful or meaningful to you, uh, or set it aside and then save it for when you're going to buy something that actually makes sense and that you will actually get the get the use out of.
2: What about you, Rudy? Did you was this like a hoarding year for you? I know I've seen you list some stuff for sale. Uh, did you do you think you wound up with more or less stuff uh, compared to a year ago?
1: Um, I think that I would have to say I. Collecting wise, probably about the same. Uh, reenacting wise, I think I ended up. Uh, it's it kind of even keeled itself out. Um, I was in a similar situation as Ludwig, a uh, friend of ours, friend of mine was getting out of the hobby, and so I was able to, uh, uh, you know, purchase his items, and then I was able to sell them to someone who was trying to rejoin the hobby. Um, so I, you know, I made I made a little bit off of it, but uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't beating the other guy up by any means. Um, but I I would say that I actually probably did a little bit more hoarding than I did on the selling aspect. I have sold quite a bit just with the, the looming sale of the house. Um, but I, I had some other friends who were, uh, as Ludwig was doing was off, offloading some of their stuff. And it just so happened that those splinter, splinter pants, uh, were my size. (laughs) So I ended up picking, uh, you know, just some, some, random things I normally didn't do. I I got a Drillic set, um, which I wore to the shoots and fest, which was very comfortable, very nice. Um, I splurged and I did purchase a Walther P 38. It's kind of been on the, uh, want list for some time now. And I was able to, uh, through a reenacting connection, uh, get one for a decent price. Um, there was some other, similar related items that a friend was selling who was going out of business. So I I think at the end, if I had to do dollar amount to dollar amount, I probably ended up uh, with more items uh, than I sold this year. But uh, uh, I'm happy with every one of the purchases. So no complaints.
2: Cool. I guess looking forward to next year, I've got some kind of exciting reenactment stuff on the horizon for me. I'm doing a sort of a reenactment, adjacent thing this weekend a guy from my group and I are doing an overnight at our bunker site so that'll kind of be the last sort of reenactment thing for me for this year but then in January um, there is the annual Eastern Front event at Fort Mifflin near Philadelphia in Pennsylvania um, that I'll be doing and I've been getting ready for that basically For months, I guess at this point, I've been talking to some other guys who are going to the event, um, making sort of overall plans. Uh, Looks like we're going to have a pretty good turnout at the event for my crew, which is great, but... It's one of those events where the there are limited options for where you can sleep because it's it's a winter event that's sort of indoors, but there's a limited amount of heated interior spaces. And so the more guys you have, the fewer options you have, and it becomes a little bit more challenging. So I'm glad that a lot of guys want to go. We'll figure out where we're going to sleep and how we're going to stay warm, uh, I guess, when we get there or whatever. Um but that'll be fun, and then I also have an event in January planned with my Soviet group, which is great. That's something that I did a little bit more of this um this year did a little more Soviet reenacting I think than than what I usually do in a year. and that group of people is absolutely going strong, um, picking up new members and uh, a very busy event schedule there as well. so Um, I'm looking forward to 2024 and uh, what it has to bring you guys got events uh, coming up Uh, Ludwig do you have something coming up soon we have a a fantastic
0: uh, event in February which is set I believe in February 1945 as an Avklarungs a dismounted Avklarungs unit that's lost all of their half tracks Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to that that's going to be fantastic and then in April we have a uh, much more open barracks event uh, which will be essentially German troops in barracks uh, conditions and training conditions rather than... You know, I, I found, especially after this this year, that the lived side of reenacting and certainly the barracked side of reenacting I prefer immeasurably to the tactical and combat side. And I, I know we've talked about that at length a million times, but that event in April is something I'm particularly looking forward to. After that, I know it will be the usual roster of events with perhaps some other things thrown in I'm, I'm working to get um a couple of my own events sorted that fit into that time scale but uh yeah the, the two most immediate events will be in, in in february and april so there's still still a fair ways to go we just had uh two weekends ago now uh, our budapest event which is the last major event of this year and and that was it for this year for me so it's 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 over now
2: rudy what about you Have you got anything coming up
1: uh, we, I'm all, Our reenacting season always ends with our little Shoots and Fest event um, at the beginning of December. Uh, so I think the next event for myself is going to be uh, the Newville event uh, in early February at the uh, Great War Association site, uh, which was my first event uh, 12 years ago in 2012. So it always holds a special place in my heart for it. Uh, we stay in this destroyed farmhouse that has holes in the walls and... We bring hay in, and it usually ends up being about 28 of us all huddled up, just freezing to death. But, uh, you know, where, where else would you rather be?
2: Sure. I remember the old GD Christmas parties at the old uh, Fort Indian Town Gap that used to happen. They were always so cool with, um, you know, Ruprecht uh, issuing out punishments and stuff. And I'm glad that even though that event doesn't happen anymore, you guys still have an annual end-of-year Christmas tradition. I think that's important and valuable.
1: Oh, yes. Weinacht and Ruprecht uh, are out doling out the Geschenk and the the punishments to all the bad soldats. So we we, we definitely cherish that and make sure we keep that alive for sure.
2: Cool. All right, guys. Well, I think that is just about all the time that we've got, but I did want to uh, take a moment To uh, cheers, you guys, and have a drink. So uh, I guess to 2023 and an even better 2024. uh, Cheers, guys. Cheers. Post post. All right, cheers to you guys, and uh, cheers and happy New Year to everybody listening. Also, special thanks to all of the Patreon supporters. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to keep doing this podcast. So Happy New Year, everyone, and I will see you in the field.
1: See you in the field.
0: See you in the field.